The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything's got to be about the future. It's got to be about tomorrow and bringing all that into focus as we, you know, attack the season. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. It's Wednesday, May 25th. J.P. Shadrick with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks, Jaguars.com senior writer John Osier. Give us a listen on the podcast page at Jaguars.com or the official Jaguars Podcast Network. That's on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you download your podcasts. OTAs are underway. We were out there Monday, John, you and I were there. Among, yeah, I didn't see Bucky there. Yeah, Bucky didn't make it. I don't know what happened. I was there. Next week. Next week You're I'm coming. Next, next week. week. Wow. Next week. Wow. And all the way next across week. the country for an OTA. That That's is right, because dedication. it's so important. It's so important, John. You never know. Like A lot of decisions and determinations are made on some of this stuff that we see in these off-season team activities. I was bragging to the boys about uh, driving a mile and a half for it. So Wow. So Bucky's flying. You got uh, multiple planes. You know, you got connections. It's a holiday weekend. You're gonna get here and and stick it out for a few days. I like that. That's right. It's for the team. It's all Please for the team. I'm a team. I'm a team player. What do you want to see? But I mean, I know we're sort of previewing here. We're out of step, but it, it mm-hmm. it's Bucky's podcast. We can do that. I think the main thing that you're trying to see that I want to see is how different does the team look. Uh, this year compared to last year, just in terms of the way that they operate and move, just the organization. I want to look at uh, the speed of the team because speed is everything. When you think about these top teams, you have to have a fast, explosive team. Uh, we talk about the team being bigger, faster, stronger, more explosive, more dynamic. That typically leads to better play. But now I want to see what it's like when you have a, a coaching staff, an experienced coaching staff that gets their hands on these guys. I heard you guys talk about, you know, the, the reports of the D-line being very aggressive maybe overly aggressive uh, in the open workout. But I kind of like that because defensively they needed to have a level of nastiness and toughness and those things exhibited. I heard about Trevor Lawrence looking really, really good throwing the ball all over the yard. So now I want to see what does that look like compared to what I remember seeing him when he last was on the field um, at the end of the year. And so just looking for overall improvement, I think that is a nice precursor to what we may see in training camp. Let's hear from head coach Doug Peterson before practice Monday on what he feels they can get out of the next couple of weeks of OTAs. I value the OTAs um, and, and from the standpoint of really being able to evaluate you know, players uh, this time of year, even though we're not making you know, roster moves and cutting it down to 53 and all that, but you still, you still get a lot out of these as a coach and now you get to really put your team into into game situations and uh, really start coaching that you know here in in the OTAs and um, obviously we're gonna you know protect each other but play fast and and uh, and get our work done and um, you know and what what I what I look to get out of these next couple of weeks is just that just the execution from phase two you know that we did individually into uh, against each other you know now offense and defensively. Uh, how well the guys retain the information, you know, from the classroom to the to the football field, and um, you know, playing fast, protecting each other, and just see where we are as a football team. Uh, he's a he's a cool customer. Feels like there, he understands the pace of what should happen here, and there's a lot of important football things ahead in late July and August to really get ready for the regular season. But 
yeah, taking it from the classroom to the field's important, getting the work done, and then moving forward, Bucky. Yeah, I really like it, and I like his 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 pacing of the off season. Um, I think what he says is what a lot of us always say in front offices. Um, when you're looking at players, can they take it from the board to the field? Meaning, it's one thing to have all the answers right in the classroom. It's another thing to be able to execute it properly on the field when you're going at um, game speed and things are moving and um, that stuff. And then the other part is he talked about evaluating the team, even though they're not making roster moves. But, you know, it's another thing to draft guys and assign guys as free agents, undrafted or even street free agents, and then put them on the field and see what they look like. Um, before you can make the team, you have to at least look the part. And so athletically, do these guys look the part? Do they look physical enough to be able to play? When I mean physical, not like banging into each other, but physically, do they look like they stack up? Do they look like a championship caliber team? And if they don't, what little changes and tweaks do we have to make? And then the game situations. Uh, You can't stress enough in the National Football League, it is all about situational football, understanding down and distance, understanding the clock, score, relationship, how you want to play, how you want to execute those things. You want to start teaching those uh, principles now because – there's not enough time in training camp to consistently cover it. So you have to introduce some of those situations now and make sure that your team understands it. So when you do get into those situations in games in the regular season, they've been there before and they execute the way they should. They're actually doing that, John, a little bit on Monday, you know, going down like 30, 40 seconds yeah. on the clock and how do you, you know, stop things and, and spike the ball and all that stuff. They were working on that in a small way. Yeah, they struggled with it because there was no PA system, but they got it done. Okay, John. Okay. And it, all right. So I was glad okay. that they did That's it. That's great. But, but um, in all seriousness, the things that Bucky's talking about to me are incredibly important from a macro level, Doug Peterson clearly needs this six, seven weeks. When he leaves here, when these coaches leave here, they'll have a much better feel for what this team is than if these things didn't exist. Um, a situational football right now, is, it, it's really good to get those reps in. It's good for him to get a look. The only reason I joke around that it's not important is from an evaluation from the media watching – and saying, mm-hmm. oh, I can look at this and tell that this cornerback is going to be able to lock up on this guy. Okay, uh, corners a little bit. The the rigmarole about how good the defensive line was the other day, that's fine, but you're without pads. You can get – that's all great. But the teaching, which is not incredibly exciting to watch all the time, the teaching process – it's not very exciting, JP, to go watch a classroom, right? I mean, but that's the important stuff going on. And for that, I do think it's really important, as I've always said, particularly in the first year of a head coach. Yeah, and no, I think what you want to do, and you don't want to necessarily compare regimes or coaches, but what you want to do is you want to pay attention to the level of detail. Uh, I think what I hear from Doug Peterson is a very confident coach who kind of understands he has a plan and a process that has been successful. So he kind of knows where the mile markers are in terms of where you want to progress with the team over the course of the spring and summer to get them ready for training camp. The reason why the OTAs are important is because at the end of OTAs, um, what coaches will do is they'll reconvene. They'll look at what they tried to get done over the course of uh, the OTA offseason program. And then they would say, hey, we were good at this. The players had a tough time with that. Maybe we don't even introduce this part of it in training camp. 
here's where we can be really good in terms of learning and executing and those things. Let's give them maybe a smaller menu that they can handle, have success there. And then as we progress over the course of the year, maybe we give them the other stuff. But this is a little trial and error for the coaches as well to see how much can the team retain, how much of it is usable, how much of it needs to be kind of put on the cutting room floor. Number one priority in that regard is the quarterback position. And Trevor Lawrence spoke after practice Monday about the schedule of this offseason and how things are progressing. Obviously, this, this staff, like I said, has done a great job of mapping that out for us. You know, I think that's a huge part in the NFL compared to like the change from, their, from college to the NFL is how you plan out your offseason because there's so many options of when you start, when you finish, what you do each day. It's really flexible. You just have that time window. But deciding what to fill those days with. And I think our staff's done a great job of getting us the right amount of time on the field working together, but also in the classroom, meeting rooms, all that. So I like where we're at. Obviously, we're going we're gonna to do some stuff in the offseason. I've thought about all that and um, got to clear, some, clear some things up and, and get those plans set. But we've, I've thought about that. But I really like where we're at. Obviously, you can't get complacent, though. You've got to keep building. And the clock is just by the time we get to camp, we want to be – um, you still have a few weeks, but you want to be as clean as you can be when you get to camp, and um, we're right on track for that. So on track, John, yeah. to uh, get it on the field, and then some maybe some plans in the off season weeks ahead. I don't know. I have no idea how you measure this, and I'm not sure it is measurable. But the difference that Trevor Lawrence must feel, and all players, but especially Trevor, who didn't have any frame of reference before last year, when you walk in and you. You hear the coach and the coaching staff calmly tell you, hey, we're doing this this time of year. We're doing this this week. And we'll get to that part in August. Don't worry about it. We got it. The difference in that when you're preparing, when you're trying to figure this out, when you're moving forward. Bucky, I, I, again, I don't think that you can measure it because it's probably immeasurable. I, I think for Trevor, it's probably all the difference in the world in terms of an environment where you can grow. Yeah, no, I think it makes a ton of difference. And I will say this, um, not only when it comes to Trevor, but with the rest of the team, because I do think it's, it's really important, and I've touched on this before, um, the amount of former players that are on the coaching staff, being able to calmly um, deliver the message to the team, here's where we're at, here's where we're going to go, and here are the steps along the way that we need to get to. So it's not necessarily a speculative thing is, hey, we walked in these shoes, we have a clear plan for how we're going to get it done. Just stay with the process and the plan and these things will work out. I think for Trevor, what I hear in, in the soundbite is I hear a level of confidence in feeling like the plan that he is being given and feeling like what they're doing makes sense and is going to play out on the field. When you talked about the way that you fill up your days, the one thing that players hate is when you do a bunch of unnecessary stuff that doesn't relate to playing the game. It appears to me that Trevor is saying everything that they have done on the field and off the field in the classroom appears to have a tangible impact on how they're going to play. And I think he, he appreciates that. And the part that he talked about, you want to clean everything up so you hit training camp uh, fast, you want to clean it all up. I think that's really important because what you don't want to do is have to start back over in training camp and waste a few days going back to do stuff that you had covered in the offseason in OTAs. You would like to clean up those things. And so instead of doing a lot of review, we're now beginning to build upon what we did in the offseason, not necessarily trying to remember and regain what we did in the early part of the offseason. 
Yeah, JP, I've gotten, as we all have, tons of questions about what's the difference. What's the difference this OTAs, last year's OTAs? What's the difference between this year and last year? I think you could go back and replay Bucky's soundbite for the last minute, uh, and that's exactly what the difference is. Yep. The fact that you get the idea that the players have a great deal of confidence that what they're being told and what they're doing is the right thing to do and it's going to be productive and there's confidence in that. In terms of preparation, JP, you know, in any line of work, I, I don't know there's anything more important than that and it feels like they've got it. So if there's a difference, and again, it's not a difference. I've gotten tons of questions on these lines. Hey, when, when you go out to practice, what do you see? What's the difference? What's the vibe? There's always a positive vibe during the offseason. Well, sure, yeah. It was positive last year. They were fired up. It was enthusiastic. Sure. But mm-hmm. that undertone, that thing Bucky just said, I, you know, I've gone – I've uh, just in a long-winded way of saying, go listen to that, and that's the difference. There it is. No, I think there's, there's a confidence. Um, I think you sense, sense it. And I also think with Doug, I think Doug has a, a confidence in knowing – what he's doing and I think that comes from the fact that he's won a Super Bowl like we can say a lot of things but it's different when you've won a Super Bowl you've seen it come to fruition you've been to the mountaintop and those things and now you're like okay here's what we need to do and I think that confidence is infectious it's contagious because the guys look at him differently because he is a Super Bowl winner and he has some other guys that have had a level of success individually and collectively on the staff that they can look to I think that's important I think that trust is everything. The trust between player and coach, player and player, coach to coach is everything. All the X's and O's and all that other stuff is one thing, but the bond. I think I think you can feel that. You can sense that they kind of are putting that together in Jacksonville. The Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season with a fantastic home schedule as quarterback Trevor Lawrence leads the charge. Lock in your seats. Jaguars.com slash tickets is the website. Or call 904-633-2000. We'll hear from new Jaguars linebacker Foye Oluokun after this. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osier. The Dailies play schedule heating up. June 4th, the Jacksonville Taco and Margarita Festival. June 5th, the Doobie Brothers, including Michael McDonald. June 6th and 7th, the Dave Matthews Band tickets if they're available and information at dailiesplace.com i don't think they are available for dave matthews they sell out in a matter of minutes i think when they open up anywhere looking forward to that schedule uh coming up gosh i'm, I'm so torn on that like you know the, the tacos and margaritas just had me like i want to go and stay but then you got dave matthews at the end that's a tough one i, don't well, know if I, can I mean you're coming a week fly. early if you waited a week you know maybe you you know with your you know, you know vaulted you know, status on our um you know marquee maybe you'd be able to get some seats for that or if we tell dave matthews that bucky's going to be here early maybe they'll get here early maybe so uh, maybe Maybe you can come a little early. Maybe do a little Bucky's private a show. Maybe Dave's going to come into the offices. Dave Matthews <laughs> to the offices and, and serenade us. Maybe maybe we can get them to do that. That'll be nice. Dave, That'd Dave, be a nice little perk, a little touch. <laughs> Dave Matthews is going to come into the green the room and be like, "Hey, where's my guy Bucky? I see him on TV all the time. He'll be asking for Bucky Brooks." We all. Do. I'm sure we can get him in the club seats a little. You know, get him to the suites a little bit, like a little small, little intimate venue, so we can kind of hear a couple of his his favorites, latest like and greatest. That. I like that. That's possible. Hey, let's hear uh, from Foyer Oluokun. He uh, spoke with a couple of media folks after practice on Monday. There's all this 
new talk about the rookie linebackers that were drafted, of course, and Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma. But remember, Foye Oluokun led the league in tackles a year ago. He came in in free agency and discussed his ascension from a sixth-round draft pick out of Yale just a few years ago to now the top tackler in the NFL. Seeing who I'm going up against year after year, um, understanding who, uh, who I think the best in the game is and seeing that they mess up too. So instead of trying to play perfect, just play, you know, have confidence in myself that I'm good enough to be out there. And then once you start seeing the plays happen, you get more and more confidence. So um, it's kind of a progression, but it's, uh, I work hard enough to, uh, to earn that progression. So uh, trust the work that I put in each every offseason and then just watch it happen. Never mind the leaf blower at the end there. But, um, you know, this is a guy that maybe over the last month or two has been overshadowed a bit because of the new names around here. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bucky... How have you seen this guy grow as a linebacker over the years? Six-round picks don't always make it, mm-hmm. but he made it and made it in a big way. Yeah, made it in a big way. He talked about earning the right um, to kind of feel the way he feels in terms of how he feels about himself as a player. Uh, I think there's something to the process of having to kind of climb up the ranks, uh, climb the rungs of the ladder to become a starter and then become one of the more productive players at his position. He talked about looking at the others around the league and realizing that the elites make mistakes and they play hard. And so it took some of the pressure off of him from feeling like he had to play perfect. But I think what I got out of that soundbite was just listening to him and the level of confidence and intelligence that he has in articulating how he plays the game. I think he obviously is a natural leader. And I am really excited about the young linebackers. And sometimes that excitement will overshadow like a kind coming in, but when you think about the young guys that they now have at that second level of the defense, I think the common denominator when you talk to all of them is smart, fast, physical. All those guys have those traits. And so when you have a smart defense, it enables you to do a lot more. You have guys at that second level that can tie the back end with the front end and do a bunch of different things. I'm really excited about the football character that they have because that football character combined with the athleticism should allow that defense to present a bunch of different looks to opposing offense. I'm going to be careful what I say here because this was a 3-14 and 14 team last year. But they've finally gotten to the point, especially on the front of the defense, where because of uh, Foyer, I'm getting better at the name, you started adding Muma, mm-hmm. Lloyd, Allen, Smoot, you know, Caleb on Chasen's first round pick. Yes. Uh, you know, he hasn't produced yet, but there's talent there. Uh, you start going along the defensive front. You know, it, uh, there's all of a sudden numbers where if one or two of these guys aren't quite what you thought coming in, you've still got guys who come at you and wave. You know, it's been so thin mm-hmm. around here in terms of you might look at it and say, okay, uh, who's good up front? You might say, okay, Miles and Josh Allen, and then you, you, you know, okay, who else? Well, they've got some numbers now. Uh, defense to me, Seattle's defense in, in what, 13 or 14 when they won it, mm-hmm. is sort of the, to me, the defense you think about in the last 10 years. Well, that thing came at you in waves. Yes. There did. were players all over the place. Uh, the Jaguars put themselves in a situation where they might be that. They might have a chance to be more like that. And, again, as you said, he's been overlooked because of the guys coming in. But now all of a sudden you've got three, four, five guys in, on uh, the linebacker core that when Caldwell, my Mike Caldwell, Demon Square, talks about mm-hmm. versatility and using different guys, they've got them all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, a credit to them for rebuilding 
an area and adding to some strength that might wind up being a strength and has been a strength since 2018. Yeah, look, let's 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 go back and you know you brought up Seattle, but let's keep it right in house. That 2017 defense and that team and the players that were on it. Uh, I'm a firm believer, uh, having been taught this, eight to 12 blue chip players need to be on your roster for your team to compete at a Super Bowl level. When you look at that Saxonville team, I think we can confidently say there were six or more blue chip players when you think about how they played that year. Um, I'll say Calais Campbell was at that level. Miles Jack played well. Tevin Smith played well. You think about the secondary when you had Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. Um, look, I think Yannick Ngakwe played pretty well that year as well. So that right there yeah, gives Malik you six. Yeah, Malik and Dante played at a high level. Yeah, yeah Malik. I mean, Sean Gibson so like, safety. So, right. Yeah, so, so, so when you think about that, like, so that's why, to me, the magic number is 10. And building up this roster, you're looking for 10 guys, offense or defense, that can play at a blue-chip level. And by blue-chip level, I mean top five, top 10 at their respective position. If you do that, now you begin to make, hey, you begin to close the gap on the competition. And so – the names that we're beginning to talk about, and that we haven't seen them play, but the names that we're beginning to talk about, at least from a physical standpoint, they look like they may have those characteristics. Mentally, from a football character standpoint, they have that. Now, they have to go out and play it, but that is kind of the bar. So as we're looking at this team throughout the preseason, particularly on defense, let's use their 2017 defense as the bar and look at how these guys progress and see if they can get to that level. Because remember, the quarterback didn't play great or whatever. However the quarterback played, there was one thing. But the team was so talented that he still went to the championship game. So as you're building that team up, you just want to kind of connect the dots and see how many blue chip guys emerge. And that, JP, you know, if you ask me, one thing that stood out in OTAs, Christian Kirk, I thought he had a couple of plays that you really liked. Uh, a few plays like that. But the big takeaway when I walked off the field was a Chad Muma is a monster physically. He, mm-hmm. he he was sort of a pick that raised eyebrows when they took him in the third round. But the reason I mention it is it speaks to Bucky's point. He looks to me like a player that you got in the third round who, bare minimum, he's going to be able to give you something on defense. It, is he an everything linebacker that maybe you expect Devin Lloyd to be? I don't know. But you look at him as a third-round pick, and physically, when you even when the veterans got on the field, you went, Wow, that okay. kid yeah. is he fits. Is, is different. Yeah. Um, so you got that at number seven. You got that into the third round, which means maybe you got four guys like that. Uh, that I think was the philosophy behind what they did in the draft was trying to get to what Bucky's talking about. Mm-hmm. Trying to get what? Well, okay, maybe we've already got numbers of this position. I don't think they saw a receiver at seventy, mm-hmm. for example who looked that way like he fit into what Bucky's talking about as much as Chad Muma did. And that, to me, feels like what that pick was about. Uh, Bucky, i got a question for the scout, actually. Oh, hey, good for um, you. How yeah. about that, John? So, Use the resource. Um, how many, if you're scouting the L.A. Rams, how many blue-chip players are in their starting lineups, offense and defense right now? Just an, an elite team like they that. Are, they, are, they are loaded. So if we just go back to – let's just use last year's team because it's easy to keep up um, – so defensively, Jalen Ramsey played at that level. Uh, up front, you had Aaron Donald, who could play at that level. Uh, you flip on the other side of the ball. Uh, you had Matthew Stafford, who played there. You had Cooper Cup, who could play at that level. Um, OBJ was coming off an injury, but we saw in the postseason, he could play at that level for five. Um, 
you know, it's kind of funny because Von Miller was a flasher, but at the end of the year he played there. So we kind of like six or seven. And then collectively they had guys that kind of did it, but they weren't necessarily the class. The thing is, their blue chip players are what we call gold jacket guys. Mm-hmm. They're Hall of Fame guys. And so that that makes a difference because it kind of raises the level of everyone there. But, like, those are the kind of guys that you have to have. Um, I think what John brings up about Chad Muma, like, one of the things in OTAs or whatever, like I tell people because people ask, like, is scouting hard? I don't think it's necessarily that hard. I think you have to trust what you see. I think when you're standing there, it really shouldn't be hard to figure out the good players. And so when the rookies come in and they're mixing in with the vets, do you see enough to make you go, wow, you want to see some oohs, some ahs, just from them running around? I know we're not in pads, but you want to be able to see the athleticism and talent flash where you're like, okay, it goes. And so I'm really excited about Mooma because I said this at my other gig. I talked about Devin Lloyd and Chad Mooma ranking number one and number five on the linebacker list. I believe that to be true. I think Mooma's going to be an outstanding player. Well, and he wasn't there Monday, uh, and I'm referring to uh, Trayvon Walker. But a couple of the writers and I did talk to Josh Allen afterward. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned on on our reporters the other day, Josh Allen is an impressive kid physically. I mean, he's he looks mm-hmm. the part like we're talking about. He was amazed at what he had seen from Trayvon Walker. That's how different Trayvon Walker is in terms of body type for the NFL is uh, Josh Allen was like, yeah, this kid's a freak. And, and Josh Allen is and, a freak And uh, Josh himself. Allen's a freak. Yes. Mm-hmm. He could have been the number one pick in the draft. That's so right. we'll see. So we will see. And uh, Bucky, you'll see in person next week. Yes, I will. I'm excited. Have my little uh, – I may even bring my notebook out so I look like a scout. Bring my little notebook and my pen, take some little notes, see what we see. But I'm really excited based on – I listened to a uh, podcast when John was talking about Trayvon walking with Josh Allen. I talked about so I'm excited to see him up close and personal and to see the rest of the guys but I'm really excited to see the offense because we talked a lot about the defense but offensively here's what I'll say and I'll say this about Trevor um, there are a lot of people that were kind of shocked at the amount of money that Christian Kirk got but I will say this and I'm a firm believer having been in the system with Doug having played with him and Mike McCoy and those guys I will say this you don't necessarily need a level receivers to have a Super Bowl caliber offense. If you look at this offense um, in the past, going back to when we were in Green Bay, if you have a bunch of BB pluses on the perimeter that are great route runners and consistent pass catchers, you can light it up. You look at the team that he took in Philadelphia to the Super Bowl, there wasn't a pure number one receiver, but they were really good receivers. And so they kind of shared the wealth. I think Jacksonville has that potential with Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones. I believe for the first time in a long time, we'll see a very consistent aerial attack, and that can make a world of difference when you talk about competing in the AFC South. Bucky, have a fantastic Memorial Day weekend. We'll talk to you next week here in Jacksonville. Yeah, let's do it. That's Bucky Brooks, NFL Network. That's John Osier. Yes, it is. Jaguars.com. Joe Fortunato here as well. I'm J.P. Shadrick. And listen to all our podcasts on the podcast page on Jaguars.com or the official Jaguars Podcast Network. That's on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you download your pods. Leave us a comment and a five-star rating. We'll catch you next time on the Huddle Up Podcast.